and there's still time. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Are you a local? Uh, no. This is a local shop for local people. There's nothing for you here. Welcome to episode 53 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And we're bringing you this podcast from UBC's Thunderbird Stadium after watching the Whitecaps defeat Edmonton 4-2 in a pre-season friendly for the Eddies and a reserve match for the Whitecaps. Very entertaining game, Steve. All the goals came in the first half. What did you make the performance of of the whole team and also of some of the individual players? Um, I thought the Whitecaps really came out strong. They really were pressing and playing on the front foot. I'm going to go to the negative first. The, the defending was pretty bad, especially on the right side. It was Carlisle, Mitchell, and, and uh, Samson. Ethan Samson playing on that right side. And they were being manhandled by a, a, one, especially one young Ed, FC Edmonton player, Hanson Bokai. They, they weren't able to handle him. And then once they cha- made some changes in the second half, it basically shut Edmonton down. Edmonton had nothing going forward. So defensively, they got better. Attacking-wise, they just basically got everything in that first half. And there were some really nice finishes and some really nice goals, by two by Kakuta. Yeah, overall, the, the four goals, there was the, the brace from Kakuta. There was also a goal from Eric Hurtado, which had the assist from Kakuta. And the opening goal of the game came from Sebastian Fernandez. It was a good attacking performance, as you say. The defence kind of let them down a little bit. And on the right side, it was looking particularly poor. Carlisle Mitchell came off in the first half with what we, we assume is an injury. Then Ethan Sampson came off at half-time and was replaced initially by Nicholas Prasad, the residency under-18 centre-back. And he, he looked actually better as right-back than Sampson did. And in a game where, where players like Sampson and a few others really, really had to step up, that's kind of a worrying sign. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't too good. And obviously, there was a couple other players who were somewhat worrisome. Uh, Bryce Alderson, he he had a good game defensively, but moving the ball forward, there were a couple of giveaways that he should have avoided. Tornagi had a lot of trouble in the box, especially in the first half, uh, claiming the balls. There were even besides the two goals he allowed, which were crosses headed in. Uh, there were a couple of times where he wasn't able to handle the ball. One clearance off the line uh, that it led to. So Tornagi obviously had a good... But let's look at the positives. I thought one of the guys that really played well was Nicholas Mosquita. Uh, really was in that central attacking role, playmaking role. And I, although I don't think he picked up too many assists, he did pick up actually one assist. He, he really was the facilitator to the attack and got guys making runs on either one of the wide sides. Yeah, Mosquito looked good, and I, I liked him pre-season as well. I thought he was the better of the two Uruguayans. 
And it's difficult for him because he plays so well in that number 10 role. But how is he going to actually get into the team when you've got Pedro Morales playing such good football just now? Well, Morales can't be playing every game and there's always a chance of injuries. You don't want it to be injuries happening, but you got to have these guys ready to play. And I think Mosquito can fill that role in if he needs to be called upon. Just to go back a little bit on what you said about Bright, I, I thought he, he had a good game. He had a, a bit of a sloppy opening. Like in the opening minutes, he, he did give the ball away a couple of times, but then I think he became quite solid after that, and he, he did look good and he looked comfortable. And the thing is, this DM role, obviously Laba is, is pretty much set in stone, I would think. Yeah. You, you've got injuries that might happen, stuff like that. Rio Coker is always the guy that you think is going to be in there as well, but with the injury that happened to him, and we, we don't know if, if there's any more to it, and he had had a couple of stinking performances before that, there is an opportunity for a guy like Alderson, a guy like Kofi, to kind of step up and try and, and challenge Rio Coker. And we said on Saturday we didn't feel Kofi had done enough to do that. Do you think, from what Bryce showed today, he had done anything at all that's really going to get a chance for him to get minutes? Based on experience, I don't think he's done enough because I think Kofi's played a number of games in the first two years and I think he's got that, you know, he's higher on the depth chart because of that. But I like what Alderson does. I know I put him on the negative side, but there were a number of positives. He had like a so-so game. There weren't very many Whitecaps that had really bad performances. But Alderson, what I like about him is he makes runs into the box regularly, whether he's the first guy, second guy, or third guy into the box. He does it regularly, and they are something that can mess with a team's back line. We saw it in in the game against Houston where Jordan Harvey, who isn't normally supposed to be a guy up there, went into there, made a run into the box. It confused the center backs who were normally cover strikers. They don't expect him to be there, and it, and it ended up being a goal. So there are positives in his game. He's just got to refine everything and be a little bit more standout-ish, especially in the reserve games, to make him more viable for the first team. Now, of course, if we're talking about the Whitecaps players that, that stood out, the, the man of the match was Kakutamani. Two goals and an assist for Eric Hurtado's goal. And the, the young Gambian just had a, a fantastic game. And we know he has the talent. We know there's been some kind of concerns over his, his fitness this year. But he, I think he showed again today that he's knocking right on the door to, to get a, a starting spot in the team. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think if it, if he was fully fit and there was no injury concerns or no fitness concerns, I think he would be would he would have been in the starting lineup by now. Um, either the third or fourth game if, if everything was the way it was because his first two games how dangerous he was against New York and obviously he scored the goal against Chivas the tying goal there were positive performances and I think he would have been in the lineup by the third game I think it's just a matter of him getting fit and finding a spot for him because Fernandez we've seen is not going to be a player who plays as well on the road as he does at home. So I think there is opportunity for Manning. Yeah, he, he definitely blows hot and cold. And obviously Matix as well just now is contributing some aspects, but not goals. And at some point, the Whitecaps are going to need a guy that, that's getting goals. So I spoke to Kakuta Mane after the game today. We had a chat about the season so far, the issues around his fitness. And also we kind of touched on the 4-1 performance in Seattle last year with his hat-trick and, and whether he feels that puts any added pressure on him for, for this season and for seasons to come. So here's Kakuta Mani. Uh, 
so Kakuta, a uh, two-goal performance today against Edmonton. How how did you feel that game went? Uh, I think it went well. I mean, we played some great football here, and uh, we moved the ball well, and uh, we played definitely played as a team, and and, um, yeah, and we got a result. So it was uh, it was it was good for us. How how are you feeling this season? Obviously, you've you've been coming on a sub, and you you got the start today. Do you feel you're ready to go the full ninety, or are you, is there still some concerns about well, your back? Still, I mean, my concern about the back still is just working on the fitness. It's, uh, it's just taking longer than we thought it would be. And uh, we're still working on that. And then today I played 70 minutes, and uh, that's a that's a great uh, step forward. And uh, so we'll just uh, keep building up uh, up until that, and then see what happens. But uh, it's uh, coming out pretty well. Now a lot of new players has come into the team this year. A lot of exciting, creative players. When you're on the field and you're playing with with more creativity than was maybe there last season, how is that for you as an attacking player? I mean, uh, it obviously created chances for I mean us attacking players and uh, everybody. I mean, you can see everybody's hungry and then won the ball definitely. So uh, it, ma- it makes it makes our job easier and then uh, they do all the job and then uh, give it to us in the attacking side and then uh, do. Uh, what we do and then score goals for the team so it's been it's been great it's been going well for uh, for the club and I think uh, we just uh, wait and see what the future holds for us but I think uh, we definitely had something going on this year. Now just going back a little bit to last year obviously you had that fantastic game down in Seattle with a performance like that and the attention obviously that it got not just in North America but basically worldwide do you feel that puts a little bit more pressure on you that folk are expecting you to do that on a regular basis well definitely uh, I wouldn't say put a pressure on me but uh, I'm that kind of player I like to I like to score goals and um, I mean it's great to rise in the big occasions like a uh, game against Seattle is our biggest rival so that was great but it's just uh, just want to build on that and then uh, keep going and uh, score more goals and then that's, uh, that's what I want to do every single game. I want to score goals and then create goals for my teammates. And uh, so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if I have a lot of those uh, this season too. The team's unbeaten so far in March, playing some lovely football. How good do you think this team can be this year? I think, um, I think, like I said, I mean, we have a great, great players. A lot, a lot of individual good players, and that we can play collectively as a team as well. So that's a sort of plus for the team this year. So I think uh, we have a really good squad this year. So hopefully we can. Uh, I mean, if we stick together, I think we will definitely win something this year, and uh, we'll play some great football, and uh, definitely first of all make the playoffs and uh, make everybody proud about the team. So, so it's going to be exciting this year. That's great. Thank you so much, Kikua. Kakuta Mani there talking to me after the 4-2 win over Edmonton and one thing I really like about Kakuta is he has this confidence without coming across as being arrogant and he's just, as you heard there, really confident that the Whitecaps, if they keep playing the way that they're going to be playing, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. Definitely, yeah, well, I, I agree with, I kind of agree with him if they continue to play. It's a long season though, a lot of things can change and so... You know, you want to believe that they, they can play like this the whole season, but and I'm sure uh, Robinson's going to be, re- you know, requesting them to play this way. But there's there's always a dip or something along the season for every team in the MLS. Um, obviously, Kakuda was the star of the game. He's he's a very young player. Uh, let's talk about some of the other young players. It was a very young lineup, especially in the second half when some of those substitutions occurred. 
Yeah, uh, Pete Shad and myself were just chatting at the end of the game. We were trying to work out what we thought the average age might have been in that second half. He thinks it might have been just over 21. I think it was possibly even just over 20. Very, very young. I mean, if, if you include Bryce Alderson, there was six residency current guys or recent guys that, that were on the pitch in that second half at the same time. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the I think one of the most more impressive players, even though there were no goals in the second half, was Marco Bustos. He once again after that res- performance he had in the residency game over the weekend, I think once again he played fantastic. And the Edmonton guys really had a difficult time, and they were fouling him regularly. It was, it was a regular occurrence in that second half to see Marco Bustos on the on the ground. And Mitch Perot played the full 90 minutes. I mean, we, we talked earlier in the season, Mitch had really impressed when he came into the, the pre-season training camp. And again, just didn't look out of place again today. Obviously, he's not playing MLS opposition, and Edmonton didn't have a lot of their starters out there, as we'll hear later on when we, we speak to Colin Miller. But, I mean, Mitch did well. Yeah, and once again, yeah, he's just a solid guy in the back. Yeah, he... Because I think he was on there and Bryce has some kind of chemistry with him, Bryce was able to move up and attack a little bit more. Uh, Mitch, you know, got the ball out to the wide areas really quickly, calmed things down and played really well. And for a guy that not many people talk about as as usual, we've discussed this before, everybody's always talking about Keon's throws and Marco Bustos and Marco Carducci. Mitch Pro always seems to be one of the better players on the pitch whenever he's there. And just the, the last player we'll mention, because we won't go through every single player that, that was playing today, but Sam Adekugby came on in the first half for Carlisle Mitchell, immediately slotted into the left-back role, which allowed Christian Dean to, to move into the middle. And second half, he was just powering forward. He looked really, really good out there, whipped in a, a couple of really decent crosses. Yeah, and he's he's a guy that, you know, I, I know they probably, the reason why he didn't start the game itself was because he played 90 minutes on the weekend uh, at center back uh, when he played there. So he they obviously wanted to get Dean, a, you know, a full 90 minutes, and that's why Dean was uh, playing left back initially. But Sam is definitely the future of the Whitecaps at that position. So enough about the Whitecaps' performance today. Let's just briefly turn our attention to FC Edmonton. Now, I'll ha- hold my hands up and say my knowledge of FC Edmonton this season is pretty, pretty nil. From the guys that were out there from Edmonton, anyone stand out for you? Anyone really impress? The young kid, uh, Hanson Bokai, we talk, and Colin Miller will be talking about him too a little bit. I thought he, he, he was really a danger, and he made Samson look very ordinary. On the, and he's only, I think, 17 or something like that as well. So he, he played well. He didn't play a full 90, but he played quite a bit. Uh, they're, both of their fullbacks are injured, like Scott. Like they, We're missing seven regulars. So that's going to really make it difficult for us to figure out who was stood out or not. Um, I thought uh, a guy, the Richie Jones guy, the former Manchester United player, he was better as the game went on. Uh, he's, he's calmed things down in the second half. And another guy, the guy who scored the two goals. Um, Tomei Amiobi. There you go. And then he, thank you for pronouncing that because I probably would have screwed that up. Uh, I, you know, he was very solid in the air and he's the one that scored the two goals, headed both of them in. Obviously, it's hard to think about Amiobi without thinking of the Special One TV show and, and Dave from Newcastle calling and going on about Amiobi, man. But yeah, you kind of have to think as well, there's three Amiobi brothers. How bad did this guy have to be to end up in Edmonton? But he actually looked pretty good. I think, I think the team's going to be solid. They, they have a lot of size up front. Uh, yeah, with Frank Yonke, I think, Yonke, I think you pronounce it. Um, he's going to be a big guy up top. And then 
they were really physical with the Whitecaps, especially in the second half with the younger players. Mitch Perot was knocked down a number of times by them. We were speaking to Nathan after the game, and he said it was something like 25 fouls to 13 that Edmonton had committed. So they were very physical, and they're going to need to be like that to get through a, a difficult and long season. And talking of this season to come for, for Edmonton and, and what they hope to achieve, Steve, you caught up with head coach Colin Miller after the game, and here's what he had to say. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Uh, Colin, the second season here with FC Edmonton, what are the major differences you see from last year to this year in the training and preseason? Um, a bit more experience in the group, in fact a lot more experience in the group, uh, although you didn't see that today unfortunately in the first half, but uh, yeah, far better players I believe that uh, that were here for the most part last season and uh, it's still a, a new team, there's you know eight changes from last season so that takes a bit of time to gel and uh, you know and look, uh, but the experience and the, uh, the the knowledge within the team is is far far better than it was last season. Uh, last season, you talked about like establishing a different culture with the team and everything. Do you feel like you're getting closer to that, or is it still a work in progress? It, it's it's always a work in progress for sure. Um, but I, I feel that the uh, the group that we have this year is still prepared to work as hard as we can. We're, we're behind the eight ball in many ways in Edmonton because there's no full-size indoor field and it's still minus 10, minus 11 at the moment so we're still finding our way, there's only so much you can do in an indoor facility, it's uh, only 70 yards long but um, uh, you know, that being said you know, we've, we've really learned a great deal of the group this, this pre-season it's coming out west, we've, we've had five good games, we've finished with a good game here today against the Whitecaps and uh, you know, I thought the first half we were poor. The second half we was m- much more like our organisation. But when you're we're working with new players, it takes a bit of time to bed in. If there was one thing that you were looking to change in the in the off season on the pitch itself, what was it? And do you think you've kind of rectified that situation? Yeah, the, a better quality of speed of play and uh, and being more dangerous going forward. You know, we've we've. Uh, We've got a few players missing here today that uh, the team has changed. There's seven first-team players sitting on the bench there today. So when you work all pre-season for these guys to get games and you're pulling up with both full-backs uh, out injured uh, and, you know, a real talented, uh, it just changes the whole dynamics of, of the whole thing. But uh, that would have been the focus, really, was trying to bring in a player that is a little bit more attack-minded, to be honest with you. And, and we've done that, for sure, with Richie Richie Jones and, uh, and Milton, although they, they were they were better in the second half than they were in the first half. Um, you brought the integration of the young Canadians, Bokai, Malin Roberts, Sadi Jalali. Yep. Um, how how is that going this year? Yeah, very good. I mean, they you know they're they're behind a lot of ways because of the experience that's in front of them. You know, Tommy Amiobi obviously is a as you can see is a, a very dangerous player and uh, Frank Jonke so Sadie will just pay his, his dues a little bit you know he'll get uh, he'll get minutes for sure this season and the same thing with Hansen you know there's a lot of experience in front of him but uh, Hansen for me is one of the most talented Canadian players at, at all levels uh, I believe But and he just needs to, to get a bit of time in, in the first team and uh, I was pleased with real good uh, aspects of his play in the first half and was arguably our better player in the first half. So, but then he, he blows a gasket a little bit in the in the second half. So, 
but lots of positives from from his point of view. The playoff, the changes to the playoff format once again. Do you think this one benefits you, or yeah. or does it is it hurt you or the team? No, or? I think it's uh, finally they've listened to what the coaches wanted as well. Uh, it was unanimous that we didn't like the format before. Uh, so now the uh, so now it's good to see that uh, there's so much more to play for until the end of the season. You know, there's uh, there's still a winner of the the spring season, and then there are. You know, there's still three places up for gra- for grabs, whereas last year was only one. So um, it keeps that bit more interest because the, the NESL is a very, very tough league. It's, it's grown. There's players from real quality coming into the NESL, and lots to look forward to this season. You know, if I was a fan coming to watch one of the teams in the NESL, I'd be delighted because of the quality of the teams and the money that's being spent with some of these clubs now. So it's 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 good to see. For the Voyagers Cup, you are now going to be facing Ottawa. You have to, it's almost like a playing game for the NASL teams. Is that a good thing, you know, for the expansion of soccer in in Canada? But obviously, you know, negative in your fact that you have to play an extra game. Yeah, I think it's great. Any time we've got any Canadian franchises starting up, I think it's so positive for the game, and we've got to make sure that it's it's going to be a rivalry both in the league and in the Amway, which is fantastic, you know, and. Uh, the month of April for us is absolutely huge. You know, we've got the Cosmos are away to Tampa, first game of the season, and away to Minnesota, and then we've got two games against Ottawa. So it's a it's a really exciting time for the club, and uh, I'm I'm delighted. I mean, the more teams that join the Amway, the, the better it is, and uh, I'm I'm delighted with that. You do, you, know? do you think it's a positive also that you get to play an extra couple of games before you face MLS competition? And that way you're more prepared. In, in yeah, the... sure. Yeah, from a fitness point of view, from a match sharpness point of view, absolutely, it's it's more beneficial for for both teams. You know, the, uh, because Ottawa are in the same boat as us, and I'm sure it's a bit cool there as well at the moment. So uh, we're all fighting against Mother Nature at this time of the year, unfortunately. But uh, I think it's great. I think it's uh, it's terrific. Of course, Canadian coaches get the chance to coach as well, which is terrific to see. You know, and. Uh, I think it's nothing but positive for the for the for ourselves and then and then the, and the national team. Um, you've now you've watched the Whitecaps play on Saturday. You you played against them today and against the reserves. What what are your impressions about them going into like compared to what they were last year overall? Yeah, no, they're they're off to a good start, which is great. And Carl will have you know ideas that he's putting across to the club that'll take a wee bit of time to bed in. And uh, but they're they're off to a good start and. The, the fans have been terrific as usual in Vancouver. You know, and I, I was a season ticket holder with the Whitecaps in the old NESL days, so I know that this is a genuine football city, uh, and it's there's lots to be positive about. What uh, overall, going back to Edmonton now, what, what what is your you know goals? Obviously, playoffs is one of them. Is there any other like you're looking forward to this year? Yeah, no, I think uh, it, it would be great if uh, we can win more games than we get beat for sure. But uh, I think that. The goal I've set the goal out for the team to try and finish in the top three, and by doing so, it gets you into the championship at the end of the season. So uh, the guys are. Uh, today was a great reality check for for all of the team, and, and seeing that you know we're we're not quite ready to get there yet. So and from a fitness and sharpness point of view, but as I say, there's seven first team players out of the group today, so it's uh, there's a few changes, but. I, I think that if we finish in the top three, we'll be absolutely delighted. Okay, perfect. Thanks a lot. Good yeah, no year. problem. Yeah, thanks. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Eddie, go steady with me. 
FC Edmonton head coach Colin Miller there talking to Steve after the 4-2 loss to the Whitecaps on Tuesday. Good luck to the Eddies this season. I really hope that both themselves and Ottawa do themselves and Canada proud in NASL. So now, as always with our our midweek podcast, it's time for our look back at the weekend's MLS action in MLS Musings. So instead of me just recording the musings myself this week, Steve's going to take part for his first time this season. I'm so excited. It's a fun place to be, MLS Musings. We're, we're in our special room. It's just got posters of everything MLS roundabout. We've got Landon Donovan on the wall, Robbie Keane, all, all the big names that everyone wants to see and, and hear about. With both of us doing it this week, we thought we'd do it a little bit different, and we're only going to look at the games that featured Western Conference teams. It was a, a good set of results for the Whitecaps this weekend, and the first game we'll look at is Colorado's 3-2 loss to Sport in Kansas City. Yeah, very interesting game. Kansas City opened the scoring. It was a nice goal by Graham Zussi. Everything was scored in the last 40 minutes, which is like that's five goals in 40 minutes. So that's pretty and a pretty exciting finish to the game. Yeah, it was, it was a really entertaining second half. Uh, Vicente Sanchez got a couple for. For Colorado, both from the penalty spot, which gives him four on the season. Every goal he scored so far is from the penalty spot. The first one was kind of weird. I don't even know why they called a penalty. I think it was because Aikopara kind of fell on top of the ball and he handled it a little bit. But if you look at the actual replay, he was actually fouled. So, so the initial foul should have been on the Colorado player, and it shouldn't have even gone to the point where he handled the ball. The second one was a legitimate foul. That one was uh, definitely. Uh, I think it was Benny Fellharbor took down uh, O'Neill in the box as he made a run into the box. So that was definitely a foul. But then Kansas City came back and Benny Fellharbor made up for his mistake giving up that penalty. Yeah, I mean, they, they hit back a minute later. When a team like Colorado go in the lead at home, you kind of expect them really to hang on. But they, I mean, they gave that up and then they conceded one of many, many late winners in, in MLS this weekend. Dominic Dwyer... Assist by Zussi, his second assist of the a, game. It was a great shot from in clo- somewhat in close, and it was like top top part of the net. But it was a fantastic finish, and you know, it really helped out the Whitecaps. And, and a couple other things is Marva Win got a second uh, yellow card for a really harsh tackle. The first one was you know it, it was an iffy yellow card, but the second was definitely a yellow. He got sent off, and that's obviously going to help the Whitecaps because he's not going to be playing for the Rapids this weekend, and. There is a chance Drew Moore, at one point in the game, kind of gave an elbow. I can't remember who the uh, Kansas City player was. That could be a suspension as well. We're not sure. So if if there is, then that's going to be both. If if that is the case, then that's going to be the Colorado's first two choices. A center back could be out. At least one is out, and that's the one that's out is the one that's a speedy guy. So it's going to help the Whitecaps, you know, in their attack on the pace. Yeah, definitely going to be good for the Whitecaps. And that was just the start of, of the good results that were, were coming in in the Whitecaps. The next game is the, the Dallas-Portland game. And another poor performance by Portland. And a, a 2-1 win for Dallas. It was in Dallas, so you can't expect Portland to be that fantastic. But yeah, I agree with you. And the big thing was the two sending offs at the yeah. four, four, in the first time in the first half, I think it was. Yeah, just the off-the-ball incident. Harrington and uh, Javon Watson went. Yeah, it, it kind of changed the game. Dallas then scored just before the break. But then Portland came out in the second half and they looked so much better. 
and they, they equalised. And it, well, that looked, was, it was an old goal. It well, was yeah. a really lucky goal, kind of, if you think of it that way, though. But basically, when they got back level, it looked at that point there was only going to be one team that was going to get the win if any team did get the win. But then Dallas came back. And Mauro Diaz, I think I mentioned him in the preseason. I think I think he's going to be a fantastic player. And this guy, Mauro Diaz, is the reason why they, they released David Ferrara. I think he's going to be a really special player for them. He's already like done quite a bit, and he's kind of basically running the attack in Dallas. Of course, the win keeps Dallas top of the West, but as we saw last year when they ran out to, to a very early lead and quite a considerable lead at one point, that counts for nothing. I, but I think this this year with Oscar Pereira in charge, I think it will be a different kind of mindset, and I think he'll be able to hang it on. Or yeah, something. I mean they're they're looking they're looking good. There's a couple of teams that that are really I think going to be pushing for playoff places that some people maybe didn't think were going to be doing that. Whitecaps being one, Dallas being one. Now the next game we have to talk about. Favourite one of mine, I think, from the weekend. Real Salt Lake 3, Toronto, big fat zero. Yeah, and this is the game that, if you noticed in the post-game podcast, there was a, if I looked, sounded distracted at any point during that podcast, it's because the game was going on in the background and I was getting so excited every time RSL scored or Defoe went off with that injury, the hamstring injury. I think it was really good. I know this doesn't help the Whitecaps in a, a Western Conference, but this does help in the overall Voyagers Cup standings for this year that will help them possibly win it for 2015. So I know, you know, it's always good to... I, I'm willing to let a Western Conference team win if it means TFC losing. Oh, yeah, I mean, that that's just something else for us to kind of really consider this season. The Defoe injury, still waiting to hear how bad it is. Hopefully pretty bad. And I don't think he's going to play against Columbus this weekend anyway. Now, although I said that was my favourite game of the week... In reality, what I do think was the match of the week was the Seattle-Columbus game. I really enjoyed watching that. It was a very enjoyable match and both teams attacked really early. Seattle started to take over a little bit and it wasn't helped by some poor defending by by both teams. There was so much space that both teams were, were giving up on the attacks. I really was impressed by Columbus keeper Steve Clark. He kept his team in the game, some fantastic saves that could have had three or four up for save the week he looks to have been a really good pickup by them and he he's a guy that played in the pdl i believe too a couple of years he, ago he did and then i think it was norway he, he actually headed yeah. off to for a couple of seasons so you, again you never know where you're going to find these players one one of the and the the penalty the we should talk about that the one where the sending off of uh oh triori triori yeah it was uh, a definite penalty. Definite yeah. penalty yeah. there, but it obviously changed the game because they were up one nothing at that point. Kenny Cooper scoring the first goal, and uh, then Iguain tied it up. The uh, then the the late stoppage, one other late stoppage winner. Yeah, ninety fourth minute winner from Justin Miram, and it was a fantastic finish. Yeah, I, I I didn't know the result when I was watching the game. It had me leaping out of my seat. It was yeah. just fantastic. I really like the football that Columbus are playing this season. I mean, with Higuain and some of the other attacking guys they've got, they're they're really interesting to watch. And I think it's going to be a very very tight Eastern Conference this year. And I think Columbus could be be right in the mix. Now, the, the last game on Saturday night was San Jose Earthquakes, New England. And this time, another late goal, but it was the Goonies that got out Goonied. Definitely. And we, we, we should obviously bring up the first goal that Victor Bernard's own goal. That was just a oh, slop that, pass. That was horrible. That was possibly the own goal of the year. Yeah, That definitely. was horrid. Like, he just slipped, fell, couldn't get his foot on the ball, knocked it off one foot to the other leg, and it went in the net. It was crazy. Again, from a Whitecaps point of view... Great result. San Jose 
losing two points because we were on for getting a draw and coming away from that with nothing. So, I mean, fantastic in the end. And just quickly, the final game we're going to talk about was the game on Sunday between New York and Chivas. Chivas, so unlucky not to come away with the three points in the end. I mean, I don't think Chivas are going to be in the mix playoff-wise, but, I mean, if you're looking at that, great result for the Whitecaps because they, they dropped two points. And again, another, another late goal. It's like... Uh, New York came back with, I think, 93rd, 94th minute equaliser. But Shiva's played some nice stuff. New York, though, should have been out of sight. Yeah, New York, but New York, they, they attacked. They were they they almost, like, deserved a victory based on their play in the second half. Chivas obviously got that goal on the penalty, but New York took over in the second half, and they missed on a couple n- number of opportunities where they could have taken a drawn it earlier and, and taking a lead eventually too so it, it was it was good for Chivas they essentially what they do it seems like they're giving up a lot of second half goals and they're letting teams back in the games imagine they can tighten that up defensively if they do that they could be a pretty strong team yeah and they are playing some nice football as well and they're they're not anywhere near as dirty and picking up as much fouls and, and suspensions as last year so that, that was the, the week's action that we're going to talk about. The other two games were both Eastern Conference matchups. DC United and Chicago drew 2 all, and Philly and Montreal drew 1 all. So this weekend to come, we've got the first Cascadia Cup clash of the season. That's going to kick off at noon Pacific time uh, between Portland and Seattle. So that's going to be a good one. But that's it for MLS Musings this week. So moving away from MLS, we're now going to turn our attention to the local soccer scene. Monday night saw the draw of the 2014 BC Provincial Cup. I headed along to the draw in Burnaby and some cracking games coming up. You can follow all the action, of course, on AFTN. But after the draw, I spoke to BC Soccer's Executive Director, Paul Mullen, just about how the draw had gone, why people should get out to watch these games, whether BC was going to follow in Ontario's footsteps and look at introducing an under-23 league, and about BC Soccer's Women's World Cup initiative, the Big Red Jersey. Here's Paul Mullen. So, Paul, the draw's just been made for the 2014 Provincial Cup. How, how do you think it all went? I think it was a great uh, draw. Uh, we had some great personalities here. All the leagues were here, a number of clubs. Uh, exciting competition starts uh, next week for a number of teams. And then uh, uh, we're, we're all leading towards the, the finals on May 10th, 11th, uh, here at Burnaby, Burnaby Lake. Separate finals this year. Uh, we've got men's on Saturday the 10th, uh, women's finals on Sunday the 11th because uh, they are fantastic stand event, standalone events on their own. So I think the next four to, four to five weeks uh, of playdowns uh, are going to be really exciting. Now, the, the women's final this year is going to be on Mother's Day. Did that play a part in splitting it up this year at all, or did you just want to really keep it separate to, to basically showcase all, all the finals? Yeah, I think uh, very much the, the, the latter, as you mentioned there. It was... Uh, you know, we've got some tremendous competition uh, on the women's side. The, the, that that area has grown significantly in the last couple of years, and so I think it was it was showcasing the the quality of of talent uh, across those uh, competitions, uh, making them standalone events. 
the Mother's Day. We can also be we, we can that that helps in some ways because we can be creative around the competition on that day. But uh, no, primarily from our perspective, it was to make those standalone events and and uh, and showcase the the talent of, of of everybody taking part. Now the B Cup this year it's expanded by is it eight teams I think to to twenty four in total. What was behind the thinking in that? Again, I think that that B Cup level is is that uh, over the last couple of years there's been uh, a lot more uh, teams joined the respective leagues at B Cup level. The competitions got stronger. There was uh, a lot more, a lot of interest from the leagues to to do that. Uh, we looked at the uh, the timings, the funding available, and we thought, yeah, that, let's make that commitment. Let's get more teams into that competition. Uh, and certainly, the clubs responded well when we offered that out through the leagues. And, and as we got that extra competition, and therefore that extra week of playdowns to what again will be a fantastic uh, final. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly some of the, the games. It's shaping up to to be some fantastic action. For anyone that's not been out to kind of see these local games, what what would you say to them to kind of encourage them to to come out and and watch one of the games? Well, I think there's something for everybody, whether it's on the women's side, whether it's on the men's side, whether it's U21s right through to Masters. I think within the within each competition, there's uh, there's some great level of play. I mean, the talent uh, right from the right from the younger players right through to the Masters is incredible. Uh, I would uh, say. You you know, don't come with any preconceptions. Give it a go. There's some uh, some great games, as you've seen from the draw, and and hopefully for some people may even be inspired to uh, start playing adult football. Because whilst this is the the pinnacle of adult football uh, and the, at the premier level in BC, uh, there's also some tremendous uh, opportunities to participate at the recreational level. And all of those leagues that are taking part are seeing great growth in those recreational levels as well. Now, in Ontario, they're looking at launching the Under-23 League across the province. Is that anything that you've looked at, at doing in BC, following suit with that, or is there not really an appetite amongst the teams here to, to kind of combine their resources and do that? Uh, well, in terms of that, uh, you know, there was a, a well-documented report a couple of years ago that the CSA had in terms of what's the best development for semi-pro and, and non-league showcase across Canada. And Ontario and Quebec have both got semi-professional leagues or are starting them this summer. Uh, the CSA haven't uh, actually formally uh, come to us or really any of the provinces yet to actually say, OK, this is now what we're going to do. We want to actually formally start the process of, of getting each province engaged. So we haven't spe- specifically done any work on that yet. However, we are very keen that as and when the CSA look to put that national, hopefully that national semi-professional level in, that we'll have enough teams interested. Uh, we know we've got support from the leagues uh, because they'll be keen to, to put forward their better teams. But obviously it's a huge commitment. Uh, the teams in uh, Ontario and Quebec, there's significant bonds there. They have to put down significant commitments to minimum facilities. And so it, it's certainly uh, something that if we look to have a, a, a BC league or a regional part of something, that we want to make sure it's sustainable. We don't want teams to be dropping in and dropping out every year. It's got to be sustainable. And it's also got to tie in with the CSA's national development plans in terms of what is the best high-performance pathway for those Canadian players to be able to play at and bridge that gap between uh, you know, youth, youth football, semi-professional football, and ultimately providing more talent that can actually populate the, the men's and women's national teams. 
obviously next year is going to be a really big year in the province with the Women's World Cup coming, Vancouver hosting the final. And just now you've got an initiative, the Big Red Jersey. Can you maybe just tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, the Big Red Jersey, uh, Big Red as it's currently called, uh, is something that uh, we've developed. Uh, it's a 20-foot high uh, replica soccer kit of the BC Soccer Provincial Development Programme uh, kit. Uh, that is something that's going to be touring uh, our events and our partners' events and member events over the next year. And we're encouraging uh, players, teams, parents, volunteers, anybody in the soccer community and beyond to come and sign that, get it photoed. And uh, the plan is, is that next year we will actually present that uh, kit with thousands of signatures of goodwill to the Canadian women's team as we wish them luck towards participating in the Women's World Cup next summer. So uh, it's, it's, a really, it's a great visual uh, tool uh, and it's going to be a great way for the soccer community and BC to be able to, to wish the, the national team all the best in what's going to be a fantastic tournament. As you said, we've got nine games uh, going to be played in BC Place, including the final. And so uh, that's just part of, of starting to raise awareness for, for next year's tournament. That's great. Thanks so much and good luck with everything. Thank you. BC Soccer Executive Director Paul Mullen there talking about the Provincial Cup that's going to be starting this weekend. Steve and myself hope to take in a few games this weekend and of course, like the last two years, we'll be bringing you full coverage of the Provincial Cup on AFTN. But before we wrap up this week's podcast, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Now, most of you will have seen Nigel Rio Coker's hand gestures in the, in the press box on the game on Saturday. We were confused. We weren't really sure of what he was doing. So we, we kind of put it out on Twitter asking people if they could maybe explain to us just... What was Nigel doing? So we, we got quite a few responses, a lot of them along similar lines, and we'll, we'll read some of them for you now. Lysant asked Matthew to cap. He was explaining that if you milk a cow incorrectly, it can splash back up at you. And Jay underscore Duke, co-host of our preview podcast, he was on a similar track. He was saying he was explaining to young Marco Carducci how he used to milk the cows on his grandpa's farm. Jay Duke also said and gave another reason. Maybe he was explaining his lucky roll when he hits the crap tables in Vegas. Jorge Mendoza from the From the Backline podcast, he said, So on Tuesday, I'll grab the pop, shake it like this, and then someone will come in and open it. It'll be hilarious. Because, of course, Tuesday is April Fool's Day. So Jay Duke again come on. Oh, Jay Duke really has nothing to do. It seems like. Yeah, he, he seems to really <laughs> like hand gestures. Uh, he, Jay Duke also then goes... The key to my front door was cut right. You gotta jiggle it like this, and then push the door open. <laughs> Jay Duke again. Honestly, other people apart from Jay Duke talked to us on Twitter. He said, when we win the MLS Cup, I'm grabbing a couple of bottles of Dom and going to shake it up and spray that stuff all over. Which it could have been that he was opening a champagne bottle and it was the cork that actually hit him in his face and that was maybe where these facial injuries came from. Could be. A bit more common than falling over a bike rack. Scott Ackerman at Scotty at Aches says, I shake the dice and then I roll them like this. Blam. At Eliza X again said, he was showing Marco how to shake the champagne bottle one-handed when they win trophies. 
Jorge Mendoza comes in once again and says, So then you clean the barrel of the gun like this, but be careful because sometimes it goes off. Boom. This might surprise people, but J. Duke was at it again. And he said, The wedding ceremony was beautiful. We all had hands full of rice and threw them at the bride and groom. Christian Og at Chris Og 5 said, He's obviously showing the guys his dice throwing technique. It's obviously a common trend here. It's like champagne bottles, cows, dice. But Nolan Thomason at Nono Shabubu, he said Nigel was saying, So I was shaking the mustard bottle, but someone hadn't put the lid on and it shot out all over the place. Dave Hall at Dave Hall 111 says he thought Nigel was telling the guys how a ball had blown up on him after over pumping it with a hand pump. And I think we've all been there. It's like if you pump something too much, it just like can explode all over you. So I think we'll, we'll leave that there on that note. But it's all a good bit of fun. The cats were laughing about it. I'm sure Nigel had a good laugh about it as well. So that's all for this week's episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Friday with Steve's preview show for the Colorado game. But for now, Steve, tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Send us an email at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com and find all our writings AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com, and you can also read my stuff on Soccerly.com. So it seems like every Whitecaps team at the moment is, is getting the wins in. Residency, first team, reserve team. It's a, it's a good time to be a Whitecaps fan. Next game's coming up Saturday, Colorado Rapids. Big game, Western Conference opposition. Let's hope for another great performance and another three points. So until then, thanks for listening, take care, and mourn the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Yeah, but the-